This content is brought to you in part by Real Marketing, the only marketing firm recommended exclusively by the Institute. Real Marketing utilizes over 25 years of expertise and their products are built and customized for you to dominate any neighborhood, anywhere. Go to realmarketingforyou.com. That's realmarketing, the number four, you.com. Welcome to A State of Mind, a podcast series all about motivating, inspiring, and educating you in the art of selling luxury real estate. My name is Diane Hartley. I'm the president of the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing. Today, we're talking to David Friedman. As the co-founder of WealthX, David has emerged as one of the world's leaders in the ultra-wealthy, and his opinions involving them have been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, the Financial Times, the Guardian, CNBC, and the Telegraph. David has made frequent appearances on various news programs, including BBC, Fox, and CNN and Bloomberg. Today, David and I are going to talk about his new company, Wealth Quotient and how he can help real estate professionals uncover information about the affluent, build and get in control of their pipelines for referrals, and by doing so, deepen their relationship with their client. Welcome, David. Time for a great talk. Thank you, Diane. Always a pleasure. Excellent. Well, David, I gave a little bit of your background, and if you don't mind, kind of in your own words, can you kind of walk us through starting with WealthX? Because I think a lot of folks have heard of WealthX, but, you know, we've got the guy who founded it. So, so how about some, some background on that? Sure. It's kind of like VH1 behind the music. Yeah, that. <laughs> we got behind a new tagline. Let me, yeah, let me give you the, the uh, I will. It's actually a great question, right? Origin stories are always good. So, mm-hmm. you know, rewind back to 2010, I get a call from uh, one of my good friends. He's the chief information officer at Forbes Media. He calls and says, David, I, you know, I've, done it. I've spent the last year looking and there is not a database of the world's ultra-affluent, which we would define as somebody who has a net worth of 30 million and up. And there's a reason for that. There is a lot of data on people's houses. Uh, there's a lot of databases that use that and, and to create some t- sense of wealth or understanding. But most, and this is the interesting part, most of the wealth in the world is privately held. It is not public company executives or Silicon Valley CEOs, although they, they represent a substantial amount. But the reality is, in, even in the U.S., most of the wealth, the largest percentage is held in a privately family-owned business or um, first generation, second. And so that information has always been very challenging and hard to get. But we saw the opportunity and the fact that no one had done that, and we launched WealthX. Um, and it was a great – WealthX is today still a great company. It's owned by Euromon. Yep. Um, and we loved building it. It gave me, so the other aspect of this that, that lays up the foundation for Wealth Quotient, Diane, is that uh, during that time in tenor, I, I, had the, I had a unique position. I got to sit on a perch and, and have these amazing conversations over, over you know, eight to 10 years with the CEOs of pretty much every luxury brand, private jet manufacturers, nonprofits, higher ed, luxury real estate, uh, private banking, multifamily offices. And those all kind of contributed to uh, the worldview and the system and the things that we've created within Wealth Quotient. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I, when I first heard of, of WealthX, I likened it to PitchBook, right? Where when companies are being sold, trying to get information on private companies and what they're worth, there's like one or two places where you can get that. And so we, as the Institute for Luxury Home Marketing, you know, really uh, had and still have a great relationship with with WealthX and and it's a, a super tool for reports and background information and portfolios on the ultra high net worth. And so fast forward, you exited the company and um, you wound up saying there's more to be done here. So you came up with Wealth Quotient. Can you talk about that a little? That, that's right. I mean, over in, in, in WealthX, I still would say today is the best intelligence yep. and information on the ultra affluent. Um, and uh, you, you're right. We're very grateful to have done, uh, bring in uh, Insight Venture Partners from New York and they took a majority stake and then they've resold it to Euro Money and where it sits now. But, but over the course of those eight years of sitting down and just really listening to my clients um, across all these different industries and spending time with them, it became clear that they loved the data and the information, but the, the question was always, how do I get in front of these people? How do I access them? 
um, because you could give them a list of the richest people in Houston uh, that like 17th century art and wine and pull that up. But the, the response was, and it's not just WealthX, it was any list yep. provider, any data source that represents what we call kind of an outward in approach to prospecting, which is I read about a, uh, someone selling their business. They're now worth hundred million. I think they're a great client. But the question that the, the, the hallmark of that approach of an outward in approach, which is one of the big mistakes we see people make is the question, how do I get in front of them? Mm. And um, so over and over again, I would sit down with people and they would say, this is fantastic, but how do I get in front of these people? And, um, and so when I did, when I left uh, WealthX, um, I, I stayed for two years and then I left yep. after the acquisition. But um, uh, my head of sales at WealthX, who's a close friend, called me and who's my co-founder of Wealth Quotient, called and said, David, you know, every single one of our clients uh, said to us, how do we leverage and strategically use the data? How do, we, how do we scale referrals since referrals are the primary way we get a new client? And so we took all that we learned um, across those, you know, the time at WealthX with all the different clients and we've distilled it into a methodology and process um, that we're going to talk about today. But, yeah. but in short, it helps you access these individuals through referrals in a proactive way because that was really the key. How do you, the, the key question, the reason we started Wealth Quotient was to answer the one question I, I had over and over again, which no one had an answer, which is how do you scale a referral in a proactive and systematic way? And that was the challenge that everyone was facing. Um, and then the other thing that we saw, and I, and I think it's true today, Diane, I, after spending so much time with different people, the reality is I often hear people, uh, they're just overwhelmed with data. In fact, they have what I call data fatigue. Mm-hmm. I speak to advisors all the time who have massive contact lists and databases, but they wake up in the morning and they feel overwhelmed with where do I start? How do I, what do I do? Do I send another email newsletter to everybody right. in and so I, I call my, my mantra uh, that I developed and I, the phrase I came up with is data without action actually becomes a distraction. It mm. actually weighs people down because it makes them feel like they should be doing something and they're not. And so it actually creates a sense. It's like a, it's like a spiritual guilt. Almost people feel bad. So, you know, how do you, how do you alleviate that and, and create a, a path where people can start to action and do something and feel on a day-to-day basis, they're actually moving the ball forward um, in a proactive way, and especially yeah. when it comes to the ultra affluent. Right? Well, and it's so interesting because as you talk, I'm thinking about how accessible people feel today, right? Even though um, these are private companies and things like that, I mean, we do get information about people, right? right? Sure. And so there's an illusion that's created around that accessibility. Hey, I read in the paper that this company sold, as that's you right. said, for $100 million. I need to get to that that's guy. Right. And, and it is, it becomes the wheel spinning and trying to figure out how to do that. And, and I, I want to do some level setting here because I think it's important for the conversation. And it's, you know, kind of WealthX information, but it's, you know, there's a lot of millionaires. Okay. I think there's, right. aren't there 11 million millionaires in, in, in the U.S. today? And that's a big right. number. Right. And so, you know, at the risk of sounding like my mom, right? like a millionaire isn't what a millionaire used to be. There's a <laughs> lot of them. And so, you know, in my day, uh, no. Um, so, so then we start getting into these other definitions, right? We, the, the newly like created high net worth individual, right? right? And the high net worth individual is defined by a net worth of investable assets of it's up to 5 million, right? Right. Yeah. Investable. And by the way, though, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like Mark Twain said, there's laws, damn laws and statistics. <laughs> right. So right. The, the one the one kind of stake in the ground that WealthX we did that I think we were really successful was defining ultra affluent as 30 million net worth. Yes. High net worth can be, like you said, five million liquid. It could be one to, to 29 million net yeah. worth. But, but, but basically, if you want to know how I look at yeah. it, right? I, I look at it as. You got billionaire, demi-billionaire, which is like, you know, half. half then you've got ultra high net worth, which is 30 million net worth and up. And then pretty much from there down to a million or so uh, uh, is what I would call high net worth. Mm-hmm. And beneath that, I would call it mass affluent. So actually, yeah. it could be one right. that has a million dollars in net worth over it, a couple hundred grand in the bank. And I would say, you know, that's even mass affluent, right? These days. That is these days, it really is. And we we talk about that in the institute's uh, coursework about 
these mass affluent and they're they're consumer, right? These people consume, yeah. right? And but they're, what, they're part of what we do, I mean, I think what you're where, where you're headed with this is the fact that my new company, Wealth Question, we look at everyone, right? We're not we're yes. not just we 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 and we do directionally as part of our process. We look at mass. We do mass, mass fluent and everyone literally because we're really focused on the relational networks or the mm-hmm. wealth graph. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and so I think that's an important distinction because sometimes when we just talk about the ultra wealthy, it feels yeah. like too much of a reach. But but really, what Wealth Quotient did that I'm so impressed by is this idea of the con- the connections, right? right. And right. so you know now you know we've painted this picture of there's a world out there of people who consume at a very high level right and then there's uh, you know wealth advisors luxury real estate professionals luxury retailers people who want to you know establish and build a network of these people and that's really where wealth quotient steps in right that's right i mean it's a really good point i mean the reality is the data shows that referral, offline referral, well, online, but offline referral is the primary driver of pretty much every, word of mouth marketing is the primary driver of pretty much every decision um, all the way down to small consumer retail items. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason that we're really, you know, kind of in our branding for Wealth Quotient kind of were launched into the higher end was because our methodology around referrals is more acute there. And obviously that, that was my background and my yeah. kind of authority and, and so mm-hmm. forth. But the methodology, everyone, referrals are how everyone grows their business. Whether you're selling a house for $100,000 right. or $20 million, referrals are one of the primary ways you do it regardless. And so the exciting part about our methodology is it applies whether you're, it, 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 I've seen it and we've worked and it applies for billionaires, but it can also apply and it does apply if you're selling a house for three hundred grand um, because- you know, I do think, though, that it's a kind of an interesting thing. Okay, so Cartier, Tiffany, right? They they they've done they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of their brands in really establishing the brand. Yes. In real estate, it's a little bit difficult. Okay, and what what we've found is a challenge with specifically with real estate. And NAR does have a, a statistic that nobody really likes to talk about, but it's real. And it's something like seven out of 10 people want to refer their real estate professional. Only about one and a one, 1.2 out of 10 actually do it because they can't remember who they are. And yes. And so as it's very, very interesting and, and really a reason why I was so attracted to wealth quotient is because so many people come to me and say, but, but how, how do I do this? I, I look at these successful real estate professionals and they've built and established this incredible network through referrals. How do they do that? And the yeah. question today is almost rhetorical because there is no answer until Wealth Quotient comes up, right? Yeah, I agree 100%. That's really fascinating Super. Um, statistic. I, I just, um, I recently, over the past couple of weeks, published an article in Inman, Diane, about what's called the NPS Net Promoter Score, yep. which is uh, some of the biggest companies in the world, like First Republic and and the, some of the Fortune 50 use a method where they said customer basically to find out what our customers think about us. There's one and Bain did the study. In the they did. Mm-hmm. The book there's is called questions. the book is called Bad Profits. By the way, it's a fascinating book. That's right. Go ahead. It's yeah, it's the zero to ten. Right? right. And I'm so happy you wrote this for Inman. You need to send me that article yeah. because. We did Leaders in Luxury a number of years ago, and I actually had someone present on it because it is. Um, right. you, yeah, were of, you were ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was, it's still not really used in, in real estate, but I will tell you, we use it. Our entire yeah. company uses it. And I've well, been around it for you know, almost 15 years. So keep talking about it, though, because it's, so it's a great thing for people to You understand. and I, you know, great minds think alike, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I, we, we have clients, private banks and so forth uh, that we work with. And they do NPS or they do the voice of the client. And they'd ask the question, the one question that, that cuts through everything is, would you refer me? So it's interesting that the NAR did this survey and, and, and to show that the client, that they would do this, right? Talk about how you can create a, a survey post-transaction that sets up the foundation for doing a referral, 
right? Mm -hmm. Because by, by asking permission, because it's something that every agent can do now using Google forms or it's, it's very easy to do it. Very. Um, and it's one of the things that we, uh, we talk a lot about, frankly, uh, especially when we're coaching because it's so easy to do and no one does. And also, by the way, just to find out what your, your, your clients think of you, right? It's an easy thing to do after your transaction. They're, they're happy by the way. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And at the level that we're talking about, what mass affluent and above, okay, yeah. there's a desire because our the friends ask, right? And and my supposition has always been that the mass affluent to the ultra high net worth, there's circles, right? And people pass people around. Yeah. I'm not going to find if I have a hundred million dollars, I'm not going to find my CPA online. Right. I'm going to ask my other hundred millionaire friend who he uses. Right. Right. So, so kind of, you know, now let's get in the weeds of um, wealth quotient. Yes. So can you kind of walk folks through the idea of what we know, what we know where you came from, right. And you founded this great company that's going to help them build out and really be in control of their referral pipelines. Okay. Okay. So how, how do they do this? They, and, and that's exactly right. There's two things. We want to accelerate the a proactive approach to referrals. But, but before I get into that, let me just, let me quickly lay the backdrop for why uh, the methodology and what we, we're doing is so important, right? So we, you, you hit on this kind of outward, because the first thing that has to happen is people have to make a, a mindset shift. Mm-hmm. They have to change the way they think before they're going to change the way they operate. And we found that to be true. And so from a mindset perspective, one of the things that we have to help people do, and it's, it's a bit of a deconstructive process, is you have to stop doing the outward in approach. You have to stop reading about someone in the paper and saying they're a great client and thinking, and, and even if you can get to them, and this is the key factor, many real estate professionals are amazing at their jobs and yep. they can get to anyone that they want to. They can figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong question. The question is, is it worth your time and effort? Is that outward in approach? And I'm going to tell you it's not. Even if you do get to them directly like that, you're going to deposition yourself, right? And define so, that, define that, David. So, and so wanna, um, I, I'll just give a quick case study. Sure. Um, uh, the, there's a, an agent out here in the Hamptons. He's a close friend. I, I was coaching him and we were, it was during the, uh, he had come back and we were in a coaching session and he's walking through our process of identifying his top referral sources and, and figuring out how to go to them and accelerate that. And he came back to me and said, David, and he had sold the house of, of a company that had just gone public, the CFO. Uh, it was either CFO or the daughter in the Hamptons. And he wanted to get to some of the of those other adjacent parallel relationships that her, her, her sphere of influence, if you will, including the founder. And he came back to me and said, Dave, you'd be so proud. Um, I was at a conference and the CEO was speaking. I waited in line. I wait, made my way up to him directly. And in, in quickly in a conversation, I, I inserted the fact that I had helped sell the house uh, of, of, it was either the daughter or the yeah. CFO of the company, one or the other. And he said, that is so great. Thank you for doing that. I really appreciate it. Let me introduce you to my two other agents that I use. And he looked mm-hmm. at me and said, isn't that great? And I said, no, it's not great. You now have been completely depositioned in his eyes as a vendor yeah. where you could have asked for a referral from that person. She would have gladly gave it to you and you could have had coffee and I live in Sag Harbor. So at the American hotel, for example, sure. That framework would have created a completely different relationship and context. And so the outward in approach and going directly to people, even if you can do it, not only is it not worth the time, it will damage your positioning uh, by coming in that way versus versus coming in through a referral um, because a referral re- positions you differently, right? Right. And now you know me. I'm going to unpack that because that's a terrific story. And the I think the thing that really was jarring to me about that was it did feel good for him, right? It genuinely fed those endorphins of I did something right. I, I, I accomplished something. Yeah, and. Um, and in fact, right, most people don't think about how am I positioned. They think about, I, I met him, but not how did I meet him or did I meet him in the right way? Right. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's, 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 um, 
That's really great. Well, because uh, if you think about it, and especially, so this is true for everybody, but let's yeah. think about it at the ultra-affluent, high mm-hmm. net worth level. How do, how do people, if someone meets you for the first time, how do they, how do they filter you? Like, how do they triangulate you, right? If you meet them at a, even at a cocktail party or something. Sure. So going back to what you said, I love that because you're right. There is a sense, there, the, there's a sense of like, you're right. Endorphins get released because I met yeah. them. Yes. But, but they, they literally, and this is more get epistemological, right? Sorry to speak. It's philosophically how we know things cognitively, right? Right. Forget I'm a philosopher, right? That but, was four syllables, by the way. Sorry. Keep going. Might have been five. There are two. There are two primary ways, and these are underneath our methodology. By the way, they're they're the philosophical underpinnings. There's two ways that people filter you, right? One is, do you know someone I know? Okay. Do you? And this is why referrals are so important. Did you know someone I knew from college? Do you know my accountant or my attorney? Who do you know? Like going back. So so if I if you come in through that, I can triangulate. Well, if you know them, you can't be too bad or right. whatnot. Or they yeah, vetted you somehow. They vetted you some somehow. They haven't they haven't called me and said don't you know, or passions, hobbies, and interests. Oh, you love. I don't know anything about you. I meet you at a cocktail party. You like fly fishing. Well, there's there has to be something good about you if you like fly fishing or whatever whatever right. it may whatever it may be right or you know or fish any any type of sports or, or those are the other passions. We call that passions, hobbies, and interests, right? And so now maybe you're a sociopath, but at least you like those things. I can't, I haven't figured out the other part of you yet, but if you like, you know, if you like what I like, then you can't be all bad. Right, right. right. And so those become the two lens by which we they view the world and they view relationship development with you. And those two lens have informed uh, our whole methodology, right? So but, but going back to what you're saying, so that's the first big air, you know, I call it a pathology, right? Prospecting pathology, which is the outward in approach, right? And so you have to move, the mindset is you have to, and our methodology is designed to walk people through this, right? Mm-hmm. You have to move from a outward in to an inward out mentality, right? And we're going to talk more about that, but yeah. an inward out approach, which is referral driven, right? And it's a mindset shift. The other big one is what I call hope marketing, and hope marketing is so often I'll talk to agents and they'll say, listen, I just need to serve my clients well and the referrals will come in. They, and they do. And they come in. And that happens. Yeah. But my response to that is that's just table stakes. <laughs> right. You, if you're not doing that, you're already gone and done. Right. Right. Um, in this market and, and competitively. Right. So right. You should be doing that. But, you know, you have to ask. Right. And you and it's, and it's like the survey, the survey data you just said um, underscores exactly this thing. And so people often say, why well, I don't need a proactive strategy because they just come rolling in. They do. And then they don't. And then they don't. And then they don't. And then you're not in control of your pipeline. And by the way, they're picking who they send your way. Right. And um, and so that's the big the second big pathology. And then the third Don't don't jump away from that yet because you've touched on something that's really critical and that is they're picking who they refer to you. And many, many companies have been built on referrals of okay clients, not the greatest client you could have. Good point. And so this is again, what resonated for me with you is I call it intentional, right? You call it hope marketing, right? Then there's this intentionality that exists with, and, and I, you know, and again, I'm applying this across the board to anyone who serves any level of mass affluent to ultra high yeah, net worth individuals. It does, yeah. Serving capacity. And that is, you will get referrals, okay? But, but if the client that you've worked with that has been the most challenging and the most difficult um, suddenly is giving you all of his or her challenging and difficult friends, is that what you want, <laughs> right? Because so that's kind of the underbelly, the downside of the hope marketing and the thinking that the referrals are going to come flying in. And it's a reason why, again, I was attracted to you because this idea of intentionality in a, in a space where it feels like you don't have control, right? but you do, you actually do. And so you, you're flipping it on its head in a way and through through your philosophical approach, make you know giving the power to the folks to say you actually can do this. So 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 keep talking about the program, yeah, uh, if you will. So so 
if we talk about there's three mindset shifts that have to happen in I'm, I'm talking about these because before I can get into the actual methodology, yes. these are the things that have to happen in your heart and your mind before your, your hands can come along. Right. And so the first is like we said, the, the outward into inward out. Right. The second is from hope marketing to what I call bespoke marketing, which is crafting a specific engagement strategy and understanding and really understanding as in, in, in understanding and especially for the high net worth and ultra net worth, they're a market of one. They're a market of one, right? Um, and then the last one is very tactical. And, it, and frankly, it's more, it's more about your actions than the mindset. But it, it's going, it's shifting from, and I, we call this the wealth quotient shift around these three, three areas, right? The last one is a lot, and, and there are a lot of agents that are aggressive and do ask for, and they, they're trying to take control of their pipeline. They're trying to be proactive and they do ask for referrals, but they do it the wrong way. They do, and I call it the golf game, uh, club, beer, and and then you can fill in the blank for every industry in the world, financial services, luxury, life insurance, whatever, luxury, real estate, doesn't matter. Hey, had a great game. Hope you're enjoying your Chimay. Hey, who do you know? Who do you know, right? And, and this is, so everyone can feel okay. I know the largest banks in the world who do MPS and their clients say to them, and it's cross industry say to them, yes, we would refer to we, and they take that list and they give it to their salespeople and they go to their clients and guess what they do. Thank do you. you know? <laughs> you to refer. Who do you know? Mm-hmm. And that the problem with that is again, it, it, we're not in control, but more importantly, you're making your client do your work. And and, and, and the data shows, and it's just, it's, it's from a data perspective, when you give someone an open-ended generic referral request like that versus, and this is the shift, an open-ended generic referral to a specific referral request, these, this is not rocket science, right? By the way, everyone pretty much knows this intuitively. We're, we're not, we're not, this is something that people know, they just don't do it, right? Well, they're not intentional. They're not intentional. They're not we're busy. Intentional. We're really busy people. We're busy people, but, but, but this is what it's wasting their opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. 95. Now, nah, let me say 99.9% of the time, the response is this. Let me think about it and I'll get back to you. And they're busy just like you are. And you're asking them to do your work. Whereas, and this is part of our method, sorry, part of our methodology, right? Which is if I go and I say, hey, here are three people I'm trying to engage in the, in the area. Can you help me make an introduction? Now, there's a lot more nuance to developing that narrative. And that's really what we do in our methodologies, help yeah. people systematically build that process, craft that. But that's just a simple example. The probability that they'll get an introduction or even if it's not those three people, the probability that they'll get something concrete and specific out of that conversation uh, goes through the roof by asking to, for a specific thing, right? Well, you know what else I think you touch upon in that? And again, it's, 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 the, it's moving away from the knee jerk. This is how it's always been done to this is a different group of, of people and how they operate. And the thing that came to my mind is if someone asks me, and this, this happens, right? It happens to you. It happens to me. I'll get a phone call from someone who serves me and says, do you know this person? And and can you make an introduction? And my natural response is because I like him or her. Right. It's it's now opening my mind up to say, you know, I don't know Jim, but now that you mentioned Jim, you know who would be great for you to meet. Right. Go. Right. And and I and I have to tell you, you know, there are so many case studies and examples that we have. Um, you know, we have a private jet manufacturing client, and they they work with billionaires, but and. Um, the, the, uh, actually it was my, Brian, my co-founder was coaching one of them recently. And he had asked this billionaire for an introduction to some of the executives in his company. Now, and what he said was, absolutely. I would, except we had a falling out last week. <laughs> so I can't, so we're in, we're in dispute Oops. right now, but here, here are two other people I'll introduce you to. Right. And, and I had to tell you, uh, that gentleman went through the, he went through the wealth quotient mind shift. He, and he will say, not only to drink the Kool-Aid, he said, I will never, ever, Again, ask for an open-ended generic referral request. I will not do it. Now, there is, I believe that there's a lot of, there's oftentimes people have fear about doing it, right? If they haven't done it before. Some people do, some people don't, right? 
But as soon as someone does it for the first time with someone they're close to that they feel comfortable with and they see that it doesn't offend the person, it doesn't ruin the relationship, and then it, change, it, it, change, it can change the trajectory. Uh, I mean, we have clients who've said if we had this process 20 years ago, our life would be different. Sure. Different in the amount of time and effort we spent, different in the type of clients we have. Um, and people can do that. People can start, you can start today. You can start tomorrow, right? Um, so, and- you know, the term that runs around real estate is, and luxury real estate specifically is your sphere of influence, sure, right. okay? And then we introduce technology, right? Constant contact, some database to it. Right. And that, the, the uh, I, and, I, and, I, and I want your opinion on this and tie it back to the course, right? Because, because there's a temptation. Everything is tempting us, it seems, to do the wrong thing. And right. that is to, I collect a business card and right. that person now is in my sphere of influence. Right. And they're going to get information from me. And it's not curated in any way. It's not bespoke or custom right. To right. that person, and right. I, and but I think again, I'm not saying it's bad. No, it's just no. <clears throat> it's just diminishing the effectiveness when you're dealing with people who are accustomed to being treated as as one, and now That's you're making them many, right? That's right. They, I mean, I think it definitely high net worth to get those emails are saying, you know, um, unsubscribe. Yeah, they they are. And, and now that's not to say, and I want to give the counterpoint to that because the technology is super helpful Yeah, because it also allows you to segment. That's right. That's right. So, and and that's where the data does, does help, right? Mm -hmm. If you're using it the right way, if you, you know, and so, but, but the, um, I, the way I think about it is you've got a lot of tools in your toolbox, right? And yep. the wealth quotient methodology and the, and, the, and the certification program we're launching with you becomes mm-hmm. another powerful tool to scale referrals. The other thing to understand, and, and again, there's not one real estate broker agent that, that we could call or talk to in the U.S. that wouldn't say referrals are one of the primary way they get new clients. Everyone agrees with that, right? Um, but the data shows, and this is important, I think, and I've been really underscoring when I have discussions about this fact, the number, the, the highest conversion rate and percentage are referrals. So if you think about a sales channel, right. if you think about a sales channel that you want to activate, I'm not saying, we're, again, like we're saying, we're not saying stop your email campaigns, please mm-hmm. try to do a more bespoke, right, and do more customized. But if you, just from a data perspective and strategic planning, if you sat down and spent an hour and said, I want to, I want to juice, I want to kind of basically amplify what it, the sales channel where I have the highest conversion rates, it's referrals. Right. By 4X, a, a referral that comes in is four times more likely to convert and become a client. Not only that, not only is it higher conversion rate, they are the most loyal so that means they stay from a, a LTV, a lifetime value perspective, yep. and they spend the most. Because again, it goes back to the cycle. And they probably refer you <laughs> again. <laughs> and then they become your referral as well, right? So, so you know, one of the things that I like to do when I'm talking to someone like you is you're, you're you know, we both have business backgrounds. And there's things that we learned in business in the last 20, 25 years that need to make their way into real estate, Okay. The first one is, and you talked about it as NPS, and the book is called Bad Profits. Uh, off the top of my head, because I didn't know we were going down this path, I don't know the name of the author, but I did actually meet him oh. and he presented. And so that moves you, right? In one yeah. of the positions that I held, it was really, a, you know, we, we learned it from the horse's mouth. So Bad right. Profits, Net Promoter Score, super simple to implement. The other thing you just talked about there, so critical, and it's LTV lifetime value. That is also a business book from 25 years ago. And the (laughs) biggest companies came in and, you know, again, we kind of grew up in the bigger companies where these things, uh, where they're the first movers on this, where I know my lifetime value with AT&T because I've had that same cell phone number for 99 years. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So when I call AT&T, I never wait on hold. Right. Because 20 years ago, AT&T put a system in place that said when this person calls and they've had this phone number for this long and they have right. all of these other things, right. they, get, they get directly in. Now, 
it, does that sound really hard to do? And does it sound like it takes millions of dollars? Sure, but we're not talking about that kind of scale. This is bespoke that you're talking about. And how do you sort people through? How do you sort through people? And those those two concepts, right? Lifetime value, right? Um, um, I'll, we'll we'll make sure we put the actual book title in the notes of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and because it's an entire system where you can actually figure that out. Yeah. And I, you know, I've personally figured out my lifetime value to people, um, to, to people who have served me. And it's, it's pretty good because I'm one of those loyal people. Yeah. And, and so I just wanted to take a, a, a pause in a teaching moment there. Let me, uh, let me just quickly walk through the five steps. Sure. Of whatever. Uh, again, what we've really done is just bottle a framework that the top performers do intuitively, but don't do in a structured way. And this is what we hear uh, from every sales professional across all of our clients, right? So there's five steps here. And again, and we walk through these, we, in each step within the courses, we're looking at the, the tool that is supporting it, how to, how to do that tool. And we made it really, the whole point, my favorite quote from Einstein is keep it simple, but not simpler. So we have tried to simplify this process of scaling referrals uh, through these five steps. We've spent a lot of time and effort to get it to five. And each step has its own tool or PDF or worksheet, right? Uh, one step may have a couple more, but other than that, they, that it, it, so we kept it really simple in this toolkit. The first step is, how, who, are, who are my top referral sources? It's a very easy step, not, not very proprietary, but I can tell you in my conversations most of the people that we work with, and especially on uh, agents and brokers that I've coached before, they, they, after they do the first step, they say every, that alone was worth everything um, in terms of engagement, in terms of investment, because they wake up every morning, they don't have control of their pipeline. So who are your top referral sources? So we, we, we say, what are, the, what are the characteristics? There's three filters that we walk through. They're not hard. They're very simple. This step actually only takes you know, five to 10 minutes for someone, but most people don't sit down and actively proactively assess and say, well, who are my top referral sources and how do I filter my book of business to identify those people? So the first step is who are my top referral sources? And literally, like you just said, Diane, um, my, the step two is who are the people that are associated with that individual through boards, corporate, philanthropic, um, uh, any other ways that they can that, that I want to look at and try to identify people that I'd like to have as a client or are interesting. So I don't want to derail you on it, but this is a super important part. And you gave a yeah. terrific case study of the gentleman in, in Sag Harbor. Yeah. And so <clears throat> he actually had a client that you could have mapped for him, right? We, we you know, we actually, excuse me, sorry. That's we okay. actually, and that's a good point, Diane, because um, we did actually map his top client yeah. And uh, his top client was connected to a hundred people. Yeah. Um, and there were, um, and forgive me, I'm probably gonna get the numbers wrong, but, but this, and this person in some ways was, uh, you know, the, the, the archetype. Yeah, of, sure. Like, not in, you know, if you can get a good three or four people connected, right. that's, that's success. But in this case, the, this person was very well connected on a lot of boards in New York and had a hundred people of which there were about five billionaires. There were about 30, about 20 ultra high net worth and then 40 high net worth. Um, and so it was a very robust. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so that's step two. Now step three. So step, so, so now we've, we've, we've sat down, we've, we've ranked and prioritized who are our top referral sources, right? By the way, so many people say that is so helpful because they've just never done it. And then when they sit down and they realize it's the 80, 20 rule, it happens all the time. 80% of their business has come from 20% of their clients, right? They, and they, if they just sit down and stop and think, which is the whole point of designed for us to do this, right? So then now we're going to say, well, who are the people that they are connected to? And remember, the reason that we're, and I call it data-driven referrals, because I want to go back for a second, Diane, and harp on the fact that there are hundreds, if not thousands of classes on referrals that these agents have been to where they walk and I, and I go to conferences cause I speak at conferences and people come out of the referral panels and I say, how was it? And they say, it was great. And they say, I say, well, what'd you learn? They said, they said to ask more for more referrals. And I said, is that what else? And they said, that's it. That's it. I said, okay. And so 
it's important, the data part of doing some research and identifying the specific referral on step two is so important if you don't have that, right? But, but I also don't want people to get hung up on the data part of it because the mindset shift is about asking for specific referral. Right. So it's, it's more important to have that mindset uh, than getting the data right. The data will validate and the data will come and so forth. So, so step three, though, is really where the magic happens. And step three is asking for the introduction. This is where you're going to say, how do I communicate with this person, right? Like, and what's my relationship with them? Like, we want you to think about your social capital with this person and how you're going to frame the ask for the introduction in a proper way. And so that becomes a miniature strategic plan for how you're going to get your next, your future client from your existing hub or referral source. And the idea is you build a library of those for all of your, you know, your top referral sources, right? So it's interesting, you know, as as you're talking, there's something comes to mind um, around kind of a trend, if you will, in real estate, especially luxury real estate as teams. And the power, as you were talking about the hubs, right? I was thinking about how powerful a hub strategy is across a team of five. Absolutely. Right. Where suddenly it's an, it's exponential the, the way in which, because, because, you know, you've taught me new words, right. And I use those words and once you're part of a team or even an office and you're working with other people changing the language. So you're saying the same things. It's important. Yeah. It's it's it underlies a, a mindset shift in my mind. Language, uh, you know, I, I'm an English major. I love words, right? And <laughs> words matter. And so how? I, and that's why I continue to stop you when you new, use new words. So you have this hub strategy, and and be thinking also about it as it relates to the exponential value of a team with a stra- a strategy. So that's I- three. I, I, one of the huge value propositions around our methodology is alignment and alignment starts with new vocabulary. And so, um, and because you're an English major, because I'm a philosophy major, you know, Thucydides wrote in the Peloponnesian war, when revolutions happen, words change their meaning, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, so I love, I love words like you do. I I love vocabulary. um, Peloponnesians was five syllables. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in check for you. (laughs) Anyway. So, okay. So now we go to step four. Step four. So, well, so step three then is all about going out now. And, and it might be a Zoom today. In today's shape, our clients yeah. are doing things over Zoom. So mm-hmm. you're talking to a former client. You're asking for that referral. Specifically, though, you've, you've got the right context. You've got the right narrative. And then they're going to come back and say, you know, typically it would be, well, that person I don't really know, even though we're, we're on the board, we only meet once mm-hmm. a year. Uh, this person's actually a jerk. You know, right. I, I don't, I'm not going to introduce you to them. Um, and that's uh, the intentional referral network that I'm talking about. Right. That's, and that's what I like the best. You're using, there's no algorithm in the world yet. And, and I think it'll be a while because I'm working on it, but I know you're working on it. That, that can assess the relational capital and social capital between your hub and their relationships. And I don't, mm. you know, it, it, I don't care how much data there is at this point. Right. Right. They're the best. They're the human algorithm, if you will, on assessing their own network. So that's what we're doing. We're using, we're using our relationship to help us understand how to get to these individuals and whether we should even get to them, right? So, so this person I really don't know, that person's a jerk. Um, this person I'm actually, uh, I, I, we're doing socially distant golf game next week. What, you know, what's- How what can I mean? help is what they're usually yeah, saying. Yeah, how can I help, right? Mm-hmm. How can I help? Or, you know, I'm glad to make an introduction, right? They, they, they don't necessarily, and I'm just, I'm kind of playing into the narrative around uh, us contextualizing for us. They're not, they've been in their house eight years. They're not looking to buy or sell. That's okay. I'm building, you know, the response is, this is about building relationships. I'm building relationships. I'm building relationships with people in the art industry because that's where I've built my client. But, you know, this is not about a transaction, right? This is about relationship development. And that's also the other exciting thing about partnering with you, Diane, because I know that you really want to drive a shift in the industry, not only in the behavior, but in the perception yeah. And the perception will change when the behavior changes around this is about building relationships and we're not just transactional, right? And and so our methodology is great because you actually are going to get more clients faster and better clients without selling because <laughs> right? you're building relationships. Because, you know, so, so, so now I've got an introduction. 
uh, I'm on my way either to meet this person or do a Zoom call. And step four now is build a profile. So then again, we go back to Al and uh, we have our own kind of template that we want mm-hmm. you to try to fill in. Primarily, the whole point is what are their passions, hobbies, and interests? We really are trying to understand because going back to the, t- the two lenses that we're going to be using as we, as we access and unlock chemistry and trust, we're focused on passions, hobbies, and interests and that relational capital, right? So, so we have a profile. Uh, WealthX dossier, I'd say, was is the it best is. in the world at this. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, your owl lookup will be fine for people to look up this person and get that information um, as well. Or we teach we're, we're, we teach how to do that as well, right? So we have um, uh, Devin, who's the former head of prospect research, obviously at American University and one of the top uh, director in in the U.S. I think. And so that's step four. So now I'm actually got my um, I'm on my I'm literally you know ten minutes getting on my Zoom call with this person that I've been referred the right way. So I'm positioned the right way in the conversation, right? And then step five is what we call Be Bespoke. And it's literally a worksheet that identifies and it it forces you to take an inventory of what are the things that you have in common with this this person, passions, hobbies, and interests. What are areas that you might want to learn more about because maybe you don't know anything about them, right? Like, um, you know, uh, you know, in the case study, we use Stephen Roth, who owns the Miami, uh, Stephen Roth, who owns the Miami Dolphins. I know nothing. I'm not a big NFL person. I'm more of a football, soccer, you know. So, um, uh, and so I, the, in that column, I'm saying, listen, I'm not going to have a conversation with them about the NFL because right. like, I don't know anything and it'll come up, right? Uh, what are the topics based on those things? What are topics we may have that we talk about? And then this is the key culmination of the whole tool. What are the five questions that I might ask that have nothing to do with what I'm selling, what I'm offering, my product, my platform, right. my cause? Right. Um, and and it and and as much as you may or may not use those five questions, it is a forced discipline to force you to think about that other person and their needs and serving them and getting them to talk. Because the success in step five, the definition of success for step five is that they talk and you don't. Um, and, and people may say, yeah, but then how am I selling? I promise. I promise your sales cycle will be truncated when someone else is doing all the talking and you've built trust. Because unless you have trust, the other stuff's not going to come, right? So in, in, in asking great questions, by the way, this goes back to old school Dale Carnegie. This is Dale sure. Carnegie all the way. Sure. It's just an actionable way, uh, and a very a tactical action action point. So yeah, I really love all of that. That's 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 amazing. And the thing that again that comes to my mind is authenticity, right? You're forcing exactly because let's use Ross as an Stephen Ross as an example, right? If you engage in a football conversation with the owner of a football team, they they get that all the time. They get that all the time. Right? All the time. It's, it's a, it's no different than, you know, walking into the office, seeing a trophy with the golf and go, Oh, you play golf. Right. (laughs) The, um, the thing that I think separates the, even the, the the levels that we talked about, right. You have mass affluent, high net worth, ultra high net worth, and then the billionaires. I think, I think that as you get up in that, you get the, the customer, the prospect gets, they just get better at yep. being able to sniff out inauthenticity. Because everybody, well, everybody wants them. Everybody's coming at them. They're getting bombarded on all sides. And, and this is not rocket science. Even if they know, here's the, here's the fascinating things from a psychological and a cognitive perspective, by the way, right? Even if they know you're trying to sell to them, if you ask great questions, it doesn't, it overwhelms that you build trust. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my, one of my other favorite quotes from Peter Drucker Mm. Uh, you know, the father, father of modern management consulting um, yep. was, and I, my first job in Silicon Valley, my boss and what's measured improves. So if you're not measuring it, first of all, you don't know how you're doing, but if you measure it, then it improves. So the other thing that we've done is, is, and, and this can be so, this is such a soft tissue side, right? Referral. So how do you, what we're trying to do is take something that's somewhat qualitative and build a quantitative framework around it. And so the other great saying is, as my swim coach in college used to say, is a practice doesn't make perfect. 
perfect practice makes perfect. So if you're not practicing, you may go out there, but if you're not practicing the right thing. So we want to measure the right metrics for success on this process of referrals, right? So, because the question was always, I mean, if you talk to our, in our clients, in they, if you say, what's success? They say, well, selling, you know, plane or adding new assets or, or raising funds. But, sh- but before you get that, I get that in selling a house. But before that, what are the behaviors that we need to track and monitor and measure to create success? Because if you do these, that will come. That's an outcome. Right? Yeah, it's an outcome right. for sure. It's an outcome. It's an outcome. So, so the metrics are how many referrals, how many hubs do you have? How many prospects have you identified? How many specific referrals have you asked for? How many did they actually say they would give you? How many did they actually give you, right? And then how many meetings did you get? So, you know, what comes to my mind is you've been a busy guy since you uh, exited <laughs> WealthX, right? You didn't just sit around. You've built a really astonishing um, and very much needed company. Um, you also have, have written a book about yeah. this. Folks can go buy that book right now, right? And then They can. Book- they, you can yeah, you can go on Amazon and uh, mm-hmm. get it right now. Um, and it's called Wealth Quotient. What, what's the yeah. name of the book? Yeah, build your build your wealth question. Yeah, it's terrific. It's really really terrific. So um, so look, David, this was a blast. Um, selfishly, I just like talking to you. So for <laughs> me, this was this was just great. As you said, right, this is an industry that is is in in need of some measure of of elevation uh, across the board, and and this these types of things really help elevate, moving away from transactions to relationships. Right. And the best folks do it. Yeah. Um, I was, I was going to say, one of the things that's been so encouraging for me, Diane, and about your members and some of the top performers that I've coached and in, in some of the, you know, some of those individuals are literally, you know, made the top agent in New York. Uh, yeah. It's the top firms, for example, they, the, there is a strong sense of humility, which I really, it, I find that actually the top performers have stronger humility and they, cause when I, you know, um, when I've had discussions and, and, and they would, I, they would ask me and I'd say, really, do you need that help? And they say, I'm always looking anything I can do to elevate my game. And, and improve, um, yeah. so that's always been a hallmark of the top performers mm-hmm. I, I've, I've been encountered. So that's, that's exciting. It's exciting and it's encouraging for me. Well, good. Thank you, David. Appreciate you. You take care. Thanks, Diane. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of A State of Mind, The Art of Selling Luxury Real Estate. If you're interested in learning more about the Institute, you can find more at luxuryhomemarketing.com. If you like what you just heard, please share with a friend and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.